Wine, Food, Talk. NapaBroadcasting.com. Welcome to NapaBroadcasting.com. Although it's been attributed to Rahm Emanuel of late, it was really Winston Churchill who said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Locally, I think it's fair to say that while the Napa Valley is booming, while Yountville has an abundance in its city coffers, while Napa revenue has never been higher, while Calistoga breaks ground on two new five-star hotels, the city of St. Helena faces both a revenue crisis and an existential crisis about its future and its place in the valley. From an economic perspective, the chickens have come home to roost. Years of saying no and ignoring the economic implications have now brought the problem to a flashpoint. And now, even while the mayor, the city council, and the city manager struggle to conjure up realistic potential solutions, there are still some voices echoing from underground where their heads are buried deep in the sand. St. Helena Mayor Alan Galbraith recently went to bat for the city, answering some of those voices, and it is my pleasure to welcome him here to NapaBroadcasting.com. Mayor Galbraith, thanks so much for coming in. It's a great pleasure to be here this it's, morning. It's great to have you here. Talk a little bit about the, the sort of deficit itself, the financial problems that the city is facing. I mean, it's really only in the past, I guess, year or so that, that it's really bubbled to the surface in terms of the depth of the problem. But as you look at it, and the structural nature of it, what do you see in terms of kind of the historical basis for it? Well, uh, I really don't think it's just surfaced in the last year. Uh, uh, if you've studied city government as I have since uh, really we moved to St. Helena and I became a planning commissioner, it's been apparent for a long time that we are we're not generating the revenues to uh, meet our basic infrastructure needs, meaning uh, our sidewalks, our roadways, uh, our buildings. Uh, we were deferring park maintenance, uh, uh, and so we were not we were not generating enough revenue to, uh, to to deal with these issues. And they've been there a long time, and people in the community know they've been there in a long time. And so what we've had basically is a city that can generate enough revenue each year uh, to meet sort of everyday operating costs, uh, although that's chancy, uh, uh, but nevertheless, uh, we cannot uh, meet uh, the structural needs. Uh, and we're in an environment also where uh, 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 regulators are taking a closer look at all cities, including ours, and we we need to move forward, uh, quite frankly. Why were these issues then never really brought to light in the past? If, in fact, they were clear to, to a lot of people, well, electeds and people, as you say, in the community, there really wasn't a focus on them for a long time. Well, I... You know, I think it's hard not to focus on the deteriorating road conditions, for example. Uh, uh, I believe it was in the 2010 election, there actually was a local sales tax increase and the, uh, that was on the ballot, it was rejected, but the basic idea behind it uh, uh, was to uh, raise revenue that would uh, enable us at least to begin to tackle our sidewalk and roadway uh, uh, issues. Uh, and I can remember uh, that Mayor Britton uh, had an editorial in the paper uh, at that point in time or had a commentary in the paper that was strongly supportive of the local tax. Now, one way or other, uh, uh, folks in the city did not uh, support it, it failed. Uh, but I think uh, what's happening now is that, uh, is that uh, with new city management uh, and with the long-range financial forecast that's been put together, uh, that there's a 
a, a more objective opportunity for residents uh, to put uh, their arms around the problem, the problems, and see uh, that they're long term, and see that we have a structural deficit. In looking at the depth of the problem today, talk a little bit about it just in terms of the numbers. How big is that deficit? How much additional revenue does the city ideally need each year in order to to tackle the basic problems? Well, that word ideally, uh, it's a wonderful word, but we're never going to reach uh, what we, quote, ideally, end quote, uh, need. But basically, uh, uh, the city manager in the latest uh, long-range for- forecast uh, suggests that we need about $3 million more a year to make a, a significant dent on our roads and sidewalks, uh, our IT, our buildings. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, as a practical matter, uh, city council is evaluating uh, either a local sales tax increase or a uh, property, uh, real property transfer tax. Uh, uh, I don't think it's it's realistic to think we're going to go uh, for both, uh, but either one uh, would raise in the neighborhood of about a million and a half a year. And at least that begins to make some progress with respect to our issue. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of discussion, as you saw in the, in, in the letter that was circulated, about new hotel projects. It's very important to realize that in the uh, uh, long-term forecast that the city manager put together, uh, that she included in the forecast projected uh, uh, hotel tax revenues from Las Alcabas, which is uh, nearing uh, completion uh, on Main Street, uh, uh, <coughs> near Behringer, uh, the old Grandview site, uh, but that's included in the projection. So when, when, when we're looking at uh, whether uh, we can meet our, our basic operating expenses, that revenue's already there. That's not going to help us with respect to our uh, infrastructure uh, issues. Uh, and further, uh, uh, quite frankly, any new hotel project, if we uh, go down that road, uh, is likely three to four years off. So our problems are more immediate than that, and that's what's really caused, I think, the city council and hopefully our residents uh, to focus on the need for additional tax revenue. Talk a little bit about the sales tax revenue, because sales tax presupposes, one, a certain level of money being spent in the community, obviously, a certain level of business success, a certain level of growth within the community. Talk a little bit about the basis upon which those sales tax projections are built for a possible sales tax being on the ballot. Well, uh, today, uh, uh, if I have my numbers uh, uh, down roughly correctly, uh, about 20 25, 28% of our general fund revenue comes from sales tax. Uh, the state, the, the sales tax in Napa County generally is 8%. Our city receives less than one percentage point of that eight points. Uh, it's probably the appropriate way to put it. It's 0.95%. If we were to go for a uh, half a cent uh, uh, sales tax increase, that would all come back locally. Uh, yes, you can uh, project uh, uh, perhaps sales tax growth uh, at a uh, small percentage per year, a couple percent, uh, 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 but uh, quite frankly, that's not hugely material. Uh, and 
there, you know, the sales tax also is a tax that's been badly eroded by the fact that uh, our economy more and more, uh, as has been true for a long time, is a service economy as opposed to people buying things. And then uh, very clearly, uh, uh, the the uh, the, uh, Amazon, the Amazons of the world uh, are draining uh, sales from that would otherwise have been local sales uh, uh, years ago. Would it help? the potential sales tax revenue to change other things in the community in terms of looking at formula business and increasing essentially the the tax base within the community? Well, uh, talking about formula business, let's be clear about that. What we uh, prohibit uh, uh, as formula businesses are formula restaurants. In other words, uh, we would not uh, permit a McDonald's. Uh, 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 We have a Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's grandfathered under our uh, code. But that's what we're talking about in terms of formula, uh, in terms of pro- prohibition of formula businesses. With respect to retail, uh, we allow uh, formula retail. It has to go through a uh, conditional use permit process, meaning it has to be approved by the planning commission. If there's an appeal, it would have to be approved by the city council. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, uh, that's... Uh, uh, those have to be evaluated on, on a case-by-case basis. I remember the debate many years ago about Saks Fifth Avenue wanting to open a store there. Yeah, I've heard about that uh, <laughs> I heard about that debate. Uh, that was before my time in, in St. Helena. Uh, uh, but I think with respect to uh, formula uh, retail, uh, you have to have an open mind and see what's being proposed. Uh, uh, the big issue for us is going to be the new uh, retail space in, at Goodman's because it is a significant uh, retail space. Uh, my hope is that uh, we. The, my hope is that uh, a retailer uh, will come in there, whether formula or not, uh, uh, and uh, that uh, that has real appeal to the community. I just don't see how you can rule it out uh, uh, completely. You need to judge these things case by case. Talk a little bit about the larger debate. Some of the things that you responded to in your letter in the Star. Some of the the concerns that were expressed in in the letter that you responded to about really what what people see as the the erosion. Of, of sort of the heart and soul of St. Helena? Well, you know, uh, different, uh, uh, different uh, constituencies in our community see the heart and soul of St. Helena differently. Uh, uh, to me, uh, when I'm talking about the city and what the city can do, uh, there are really uh, two uh, major programs that it runs that, uh, that have wide community support. One is our public library. Uh, the other uh, is our recreational programs. Uh, and these are discretionary. They're not core services. And so to me, when you talk about uh, maintaining the heart and soul of the city and from the perspective of what city government can do, uh, uh, which is obviously in our case very constrained, uh, it's uh, uh, maintaining uh, the level of services at the library with our wonderful recreational programs uh, that we have today. And the bind that we're in is that uh, if uh, if uh, our operating uh, funds uh, uh, fall uh, below what we must spend, uh, uh, then uh, uh, we have no real choice but to look at discretionary programs. And that's what I don't want to see happen to us. And so uh, uh, we need more 
more running room here. Uh, we need it uh, quickly, and that's why uh, uh, the city council, again, is looking at uh, a tax increase. In looking further down the road, and as you say very correctly that any TOT increase is, is many years down the road, is that something, though, that should be looked at now with an eye towards the future? Well, we are. Uh, uh, but again, when you say looked at now by we, uh, 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 a city like ours depends upon uh, uh, private enterprise coming in and making a proposal. Uh, now, we entitled uh, Vineland Station, a 60-room hotel, probably five years ago, uh, and yet uh, the project, uh, for whatever reason, has not moved forward. Uh, always the optimist. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, <laughs> that we will see an application shortly and that it will move forward, but, uh, but there's a considerable track record in the past that that hasn't happened. Uh, uh, we have... Uh, uh, at the farmstead, a proposal for a lodging facility. Uh, I say lodging facility carefully as distinguished from a hotel facility because there uh, uh, you already have uh, the restaurant uh, in, in the farmstead that would provide the dining facility. And a lodging facility is certainly uh, uh, less impactful than a full hotel facility would be. And I'm hopeful that we'll be able to move forward there as well. One of the other issues that's come up is the idea of selling certain property, including the Adams Street property. Right. Talk a little bit about that. Well, uh, uh, keep in mind uh, that the Adam Street property was bought by the city uh, about 2000. Uh, uh, it was bought with general fund money, a million dollars down. Uh, it's been financed uh, 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 over time, 20-year loan, a couple million dollars. We probably owe about $720,000 today. We could pay it off. If we could pay it off immediately, <laughs> right. that's what it would be. Uh, uh, again, it's, uh, it's a general fund asset. Uh, uh, the community uh, certainly has gone through a visioning process for that uh, in which it would like to see uh, City Hall there, in which it would like to see uh, community center there, in which it would like to see uh, 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 some mixed use, including some housing there. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, we're at the point where uh, I think uh, we're going to have to evaluate uh, uh, what the real financial choices are, uh, and they're going to be most likely more limited than what the community in its vision statement uh, uh, envisions. Uh, uh, now, uh, we have uh, the city council has tentatively authorized a, an RFP process. Uh, we're going to schedule a workshop on an interesting uh, uh, proposal that's been brought forward by a group in St. Helena, uh, I think, uh, at our March 9 city council meeting. And after that, we'll have a discussion, see whether uh, and how we move forward with the uh, RFP process, assuming we do. Uh, but again, uh, 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 there's nothing uh, uh, particularly binding about the responses to the RFP. My hope there is if it goes forward, it provides a reasonable benchmark so that we can see what our re what our what our meaningful alternatives are. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, I don't have any any strong uh, pre-commitment uh, at this point. Uh, uh, my desire is quite uh, pragmatic and practical. Let's see what, uh, what can work. Uh, and keep in mind that the, uh, you know, we continue to finance the uh, acquisition of that parcel. Uh, mm -hmm. And I'm going to say it's about $160,000, $170,000 a year in, in, uh, in interest and in uh, paying back the capital. Is it your view personally that the city might be better off either selling the property or doing something with the property that is revenue generating over a long period of time? Well, again, uh, uh, I have an open mind with respect to that. Uh, 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 Given our financial situation and given the need for additional revenue, uh, uh, I think we have to consider seriously, if it's proposed, uh, 
uh, a hotel project there. I don't have any uh, preconceived notion as to the magnitude of such a project. Uh, and it would certainly help if uh, Violent Station and uh, Farmstead would move uh, forward with reasonable rapidity. That might, um, might reduce the pressure for a hotel project there. From your perspective, talk a little bit about how all of this is infused, all the things we've been talking about, by what clearly is the changing demographics of the valley. David Morrison uh, at the county put out some numbers recently that showed very, very clearly that the population of the county continues to age. The number of second homes, particularly in St. Alita, will continue to increase. That, that The demographics are changing dramatically, and that clearly will have an effect on some of these economic issues in St. Alita. Well, absolutely. Uh, I believe it's fair to say that St. Alita has the uh, oldest average age of any uh, jurisdiction in the county. Uh-huh. And I've forgotten the number, 42, 43. Uh, uh, with respect to second homes, that's always an interesting uh, uh, subject of discussion because we don't have a very firm handle on how much of our housing stock is going into second homes. And that that may be, uh, quite frankly, more on the western side of the city than on the eastern side. That's my sense of it, but I could be wrong. I wish we could uh, develop some real good statistics uh, with respect to it, uh, uh, but uh, but for example, uh, with an aging population, you certainly do not want uh, sidewalks and curbs uh, that uh, present hazards uh, to uh, to our to our uh, folks uh, who are aging and who are so dedicated to the city of Saint Helena. It's not acceptable. Talk a little bit about how you see this debate playing out in the city right now. Clearly, there people seem to be taking sides. Your letter in response to the Citizen Voice letter is, is an example of that. Can, can you envision a process in which all these groups come together with, with a common purpose? Well, you know, the first uh, step is, is, is to um, get across uh, that uh, our discretionary programs are at risk unless we bring in new sources of revenue and new sources of revenue fairly quickly. Uh, and uh, and uh, so that's the initial message because, uh, as I said, if we want to maintain our quality of life, uh, we don't want to see uh, cur- further curtailments in our library or curtailments in our recreational programs. It's just two examples. Uh, 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 and uh, I'm hoping uh, that uh, that message is getting out and, and uh, therefore that folks will begin to uh, focus uh, realistically on what we need in the form of of immediate new revenue and how we and how we can get there and uh, uh, and and uh, I've certainly made the point as I have here uh, that hotels uh, are not the immediate answer. Los Alcabas is already built into our projections. What about economic development on the part of the city? The city has been working with the chamber. In fact, it was one of the issues that that you wrote about in your letter in response to the Citizen Voice letter. And the city has its own efforts, or at least has has made some in the past with respect to to bringing in economic development. Talk a little bit about that and how active and how aggressive do you think the city should be? Well, I think I, I think uh, that I don't really uh, agree with your premise, uh, quite frankly. Uh, 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 the city uh, uh, supports the chamber. It has a contract with the chamber. The chamber, pursuant to that contract, uh, does very specific things, uh, particularly uh, uh, keeping open a visitor center, which is certainly very important to us, uh, and doing some marketing outreach, which is important to maintaining uh, uh, both sales tax and TOT revenues that are already coming in. Uh, uh, we don't have uh, on city staff an economic development director. Uh, the city manager uh, 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 suggested that that would, should be included in the budget a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the context of that, of our, our of our. Uh, 
budget uh, constraints, uh, uh, the city council uh, uh, decided that uh, we could not support an economic development uh, director. And I don't see that happening to us this year. I should say, too, that the projections that she's uh, put forward in the uh, long-term financial forecast uh, uh, assume essentially no increase in headcount no increase in headcount. So, you know, uh, uh, the sad reality is that we don't have uh, the revenue that would support uh, an economic development uh, director uh, whose uh, loyalty would be to the city uh, uh, completely. And uh, that's unfortunate, but that's just where we are. Is this something that could be done either with the chamber or or members of the council taking on some of that responsibility or or even some members of the city staff where possible, the city manager wearing an additional hat to do some work in these areas, not on a full-time basis, but on a partial basis. Uh, I think that's unrealistic. Uh, uh, the city staff, uh, and we have wonderful new staff, but the city staff is is fully engaged with what it is more than fully engaged with uh, with uh, with the matters that uh, come uh, uh, before it. Uh, with respect to uh, um, members of the city council, uh, uh, again, we're we're there to. Uh, we're there to uh, uh, set policy for the city, to exercise oversight over city government. Uh, we have to operate within the uh, confines of the Brown Act. Uh, and I think it's a mistake for members of the city council to try and take on uh, some form of management role. That's uh, really not consistent with uh, our current form of government. Uh, uh, now, having said that, uh, of course, as mayor, uh, uh, I go to uh, meetings uh, uh, with folks that have thoughts and try and connect them with the right people so they can pursue their thoughts. Uh, uh, I'm invited by the chamber occasionally to, to their meetings. Uh, I, I do all of that, but, uh, but in, terms of, uh, uh, in terms of asking uh, uh, members of the council to uh, take on that type of management responsibility, I don't think it's appropriate. One of the issues that has come up in discussion, although arguably extremely unrealistic, although it doesn't seem to ever go away, is this subject of annexation. Yes. Uh, Could, yeah. Can we put that to bed once? A, I mean, members of the, of the County Board of Supervisors have sat in the very chair you're sitting on and literally laughed at the idea in this very room. Well, you know, uh, uh, let me say this, that uh, I went to... Um, uh, a, um, a session sponsored by the California League of Cities in San Jose last summer, two-day session, two-and-a-half-day session. They had a breakout session on annexation. And I asked a simple question of the executive director of the Los Angeles LAFCO, uh, a fellow that had been there maybe 20, 25 years, uh, hugely experienced in the world of LAFCO. Uh, uh, LAFCO uh, EDs, by the way, have their own association. Right. Uh, uh, and I asked very specifically, uh, has there ever been a situation in which an annexation has occurred over the objection of a county? In the history of LAFCO, he said no. Uh, so, you know, uh, my, 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 my concern here mostly is that, is that uh, we not use that as a distraction. Uh, uh, we are going to go through the process. We are in the process of going through uh, uh, the, 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 the next uh, municipal service review, if I have my terminology uh, down correctly. There will be an evaluation as to whether our sphere of influence is uh, beyond current uh, city limits. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, as a practical matter, uh, uh, I've 
been very clear that that the annexation process cannot and should not be used uh, 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 as a way of distracting the conversation from our immediate uh, revenue needs. And by the way, uh, we just went through a uh, a uh, uh, wonderful uh, uh, process with the ad hoc uh, revenue task force. We had younger folks uh, from our community on that task force. It was a real introduction to them uh, in terms of city finance. And some of these were folks that thought they had followed city issues rather closely. I think they were quite stunned by by what there was out there to learn and, and, and the time and effort it takes to really learn it. But it was a very good process. And I didn't get the sense out of, out of that committee that it thought that uh, the annexation process uh, within, uh, within any meaningful uh, frame of time uh, would be a fruitful process to count on for new revenue. Given the economic situation now, are things like outsourcing police and dispatch and even some public works something that the city should realistically look at? Well, with respect to the police, uh, 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 I am not convinced uh, that outsourcing the police department would, in fact, save us meaningful money. I am very concerned that outsourcing the police would impact our level of service. Uh, Our police department does a terrific job of uh, keeping us safe. Uh, uh, It's it's very important uh, to me that uh, we have uh, two officers on duty at all times, including through the night, uh, which is... uh, best practices uh, uh, and uh, 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 with an aging population as well uh, there are perhaps more demands placed on the police department uh, uh, that are real service to members of the community uh, than might otherwise be the case uh, but I really don't see it as a as a potentially great money saver to to think to, to go to the sheriff's department uh, at this point uh, uh, I see no real opportunity in terms of combining forces with Calistoga I don't think they want to do it. with respect to public works, um, you know that's a that's a, a great question. I think it's an issue that needs to uh, be explored. But again, uh, what also you learn, uh, and uh, on both the water side and the wastewater side, uh, each of these cities has quite a different s- system, and it takes uh, some uh, uh, lengthy time to get up to speed into how on to, into how to operate the systems. I mean, we seem to have a unique wastewater treatment process, for example, a unique process perhaps in the entire state that's uh, you know uh, 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 and with respect to water our water situation is quite different from uh, from uh, Yachtville or Calistoga or the city of Napa I mean we're the one jurisdiction in the uh, in the in, in, in Napa County that does not rely at all on state water uh, we do have a contract with Napa but it's a take-or-pay contract right. and they must supply it uh, how they get the water we're indifferent to but they must make it available to us. <laughs> so, you know, uh, it's, and, and again, uh, uh, there's, it's not like I see any uh, overstaffing uh, with respect to our water or wastewater enterprises. Uh, to the contrary, uh, they're, run, they're run on a shoestring. Talk a little bit about what the next step is for St. Helena at this point with respect to these possible two tax measures. Well, I think the uh, well, the next step is uh, that uh, we've uh, commissioned a a, a, um, a company to um, uh, seek out opinions from residents. Uh, it's not a poll, but uh, give us some impression as to how residents are currently seeing the problem. I think it's going to uh, 
it may help guide us as to whether we should uh, go down the road of a property transfer tax or a sales tax increase, a local sales tax increase. Uh, uh, I think that uh, uh, we'll be making that decision fairly promptly uh, if we you know, if we go down the uh, uh, property transfer, uh, real property transfer tax road, uh, we have to become a charter city. It's not a huge issue because we can follow the Emeryville model and uh, adopt the general laws of California uh, as our charter, avoiding otherwise uh, a charter committee and perhaps contentious issues over what might or might not right. be in a charter that we want to avoid. But we're going to have to make that choice. And then uh, uh, those that love the city are going to have to get out and uh, and uh, go uh, and educate the community. I certainly have done my best to, uh, to, to, uh, to uh, frame the issues in many uh, uh, pieces that have appeared in the star, uh, maybe too many, <laughs> but uh, you know we'll continue to work down that road and uh, and work up brochures and that type of thing. And you know we're talking uh, in terms of a city of six thousand. It's not. Uh, it's uh, people. People don't necessarily want to bury their heads in uh, in municipal government, municipal finance. They've got so much else going on in their lives. But I'm hopeful that uh, we'll get a respectful audience out of our wonderful. Do you uh, have a do you have a personal preference in terms of what you would like to see, whether it's the transfer tax, sales tax, or, or anything uh, yeah. else for that matter? Well, <clears throat> um, that's a that's a great question. Uh, the at the end of the day, my decision is a very practical. It's going to be a very practical one. Which one is more likely to pass? Uh, in terms of personal preference, uh, 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 in the past I've said I think I would prefer a real property transfer tax. Uh, to me, it's. Um, to me, and there are really a couple of reasons why. One is that uh, the basic premise behind Proposition 13 was uh, to keep people in their homes, uh, 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 to keep people on fixed incomes in their homes. Uh, and uh, the effect of Proposition 13 over a long period of time is that the property tax has not done what it should be doing in terms of supporting city services. Not just true in St. Helena, but I think just generally true. Uh, there are huge inequities, too, over a long period of time that uh, are induced by Proposition 13 in terms of the way the tax basis is set. Uh, so it seems to me not unfair that when a person sells the home uh, after a long period of time uh, that a 1% transfer tax uh, 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 is appropriate. Uh, 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 the uh, the other concern I have about a sales tax is that, uh, is, uh, and I've articulated this, is that it would put St. Helena with a slightly higher uh, overall tax sales tax rate than other jurisdictions in Napa County. Eight, eight and a half percent is against eight uh, percent. Uh, 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 and maybe that's not terribly consequential. Uh, you know, many, many communities have sales taxes that are significantly greater than, than eight and a half percent anyway. But I want to hear from residents. I have a piece out there, I think it's been online, it's going to be in the Star uh, this Thursday, saying, you know, send me an email telling me what your preference is and why. I'm going to take all that into account. So I have, at this point, pretty much an open mind. I can see good arguments uh, each way at this point. And time is, as you alluded to before, time is running short. I mean, there's... Time is running uh, short, but we're talking about the November ballot. mm -hmm. uh, And uh, so I'm hopeful that the city council will come to a decision uh, uh, this spring. And we need to... And and I'm hoping that uh, my colleagues, and uh, we've all worked very well together, that we'll come to an agreement uh, pretty much unanimously on one or the other. Certainly the the, um, opinions of my colleagues are going to be very important to, to my final opinion. 
And to what extent are you looking at sort of the totality of what's potentially on the ballot in November in terms of candidates, but in terms of tax measures? I mean, whether it's uh, for a new jail or whether it's parks and open space or the college here with possibly another bond issue, there's a lot of things potentially sitting out there. Well, there are. uh, And uh, my belief is, and I'm no expert here, but my belief is that they local tax measure is at the bottom of the ballot. Uh, further belief is that uh, is that uh, uh, the way the votes are counted would be those that are for, those that are against. So you have to actually vote with respect to that measure for uh, uh, in order to get a tally of the of the yeas and the nays. Uh, so it's going to be uh, so you know there's an there's an opportunity here for for public education and to uh, promote the uh, yay vote, whether it's for a real property transfer tax or a sales tax. Mayor Alan Galbraith, I thank you so much for coming in and uh, come back again as this thing moves down the tracks. Well, I enjoyed being invited, uh, and thanks very much for having me. Thank you. You're listening to NapaBroadcasting.com, Napa Valley Radio for the way we live now.